This is a special night. It's a night that uh, we get together as a group to be able to focus on something so very, very special. I know that so many of you are, uh, are friends of those that normally attend here, and we are really glad that you're able to come and to worship with us tonight. But one of the things that we've been trying to do over these last few weeks is, is actually prepare for this baby, this very special baby. Oh, I'm sure for the most part you've known about Christmas. Since you've been a little child, you've celebrated Christmas. And many of you know the story of Christmas. So for us to even think that we would share with you something new tonight or something refreshing almost is ludicrous. But here's my hope. My hope is that you might see how big and wonderful our God is and that his love for you and for us is so amazing. I know that you've heard God is love. I, I know that. I do. But somehow it gets foggy over the years. Yes, yes, God is love. Yes, I know he loves me very, very much. There's even a song we could have sung. Jesus loves me, this I know. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping as we focus on the crazy plan that God has to show us how much he loved us and loves us. You see, Jesus is the light of the world. And this light gives comfort and encouragement for the journey, literally hope. This light also brings shalom. It brings peace. It brings wholeness. It restores the broken person and soul. This light also brings joy. In spite of the journey that we all go on, that God is faithful and His promises are faithful. But tonight, light illuminates God's love. And we are gr loved greatly, but, but sometimes we just miss it. You know, I know, again, that, hey, we've got a, a lot of folks in, you know, in a few different age groups today. And I know you'll be patient, even as some maybe whimper a little bit. And unless you're like 45, then that's probably not so good. But if you're under that, and maybe you get a little uncomfortable, because you've been sitting here a long time, we understand that. But, but let's open up our time in prayer. Father, once again, we just come before you grateful. Grateful that we can once again, well... Get a glimpse of your love. Open our eyes today, God, would you? In Jesus' name, amen. You know, our story, man's story, mankind's story, begins in a garden. And so many of you have heard the story where, where God set up a perfect environment and put a couple people named Adam and Eve in that environment and, and gave them some assignments and tasks. 
And we don't know how long, but for a while they listened and enjoyed this unbelievable relationship with God. But it came to a place in their lives sometime when they decided, you know what? God may not be as smart as probably says he is. And I know we're not supposed to eat a certain fruit, but, but I think let's try it. And so they decided to leave God's plan for them. And as soon as it happened, things began to spiral downward. And the Bible tells us it was at that time that the relationship between God and man was severed. Well, we read through the Bible and through history, and we recognize that over and over and over, man will continue to run from God because they didn't know God. They thought God was, well, a person that just wanted them to obey a bunch of rules. They didn't understand who God was and, and that he loved them so very, very much. God pursued each one of us. But the severed relationship needed restoration. The story of Christmas is a story of God's relentless love for us. And it's found in the early chapters of both Matthew and Luke, their New Testament books. We find out that God became flesh. In the first part of John, John just shares with us that, that God entered our world in a very unique way. Jesus humbled himself. The Son of God left glory and chose to become one of us in order to give us a perfect snapshot of God. For as long as I can remember, God has seemed fuzzy. What do you look like, God? How do you act? If I'm to worship you, God, what, what is that all about? And God sent a baby, his son. And he lived among us so that we might get an accurate snapshot of God. Christmas shows God's love and puts his perfect restoration plan into effect. It's one of the craziest plans you've ever, well, heard of, to be quite honest. That God would become a man. He would live here on this planet. Yes, he would teach us amazing things, and he would model for us what God would look like and does look like. But he came literally to die. This plan involved Mary and Joseph, two really, really young people. Mary, probably a young teenager. And Joseph all knew in this whole journey thing. But God asked them to do something amazing. I want you to raise my son. And I'm going to send him, well, in a normal way. Except I'm going to be the father. And he's going to be birthed and he will be born in Bethlehem. And he will grow up. And he will gather some followers. And eventually he will stretch out his arms. And the very people that he created 
they're going to kill him. And his blood will be shed so that I could restore my relationship with all of us on this planet. So God's plan involved a manger. The king of kings, the creator of all, he, he is born and gets placed in a trough. So odd. But God loved us. And over and over again showed us his love, but he also proclaimed his love. You see, the Jews who... Wow, we're God's special people. They knew of God's love. In fact, there's a special Hebrew word that describes really who God is. And the word is hesed. Hesed. Now again, I don't know if any of you speak Hebrew, but what I'd like to do is just focus a little bit on the hesed of God. This is, this is amazing love. This is self-giving love. And in Hebrew, always, whenever there's a verb, it implies action all the time. And so God loved his people. He hesed his people. This long-time relationship. It is not just some kind of a feeling, but it is more of a covenant, more of a promise. And all the way through the Scriptures... He reminded the children of Israel of how much they were loved. Now, they didn't always respond well. We know that. But we're going to start in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you. I have hesed you. My people, with an everlasting hesed, with unfailing hesed, I've drawn you to myself. This love is unbelievable. I am going to be dedicated to you. I am going to love you. In Psalm 86, there's a prayer. Oh Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. But you, oh Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing hesed and faithfulness. In Psalm 89, I will sing of the Lord's unfailing love forever. Young and old will hear of your faithfulness, God. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens. It's going to keep lasting. God is going to keep pursuing. In Psalm 90, verse 14, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy for the end of our lives. Psalm 107, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. A few more. In Zechariah, another Old Testament prophet, chapter 3, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Isaiah 54, verse 10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear, but even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. 
over and over and over, the Jews heard of God's amazing love. And Mary and Joseph knew of God's amazing love. And finally, they were holding this express expression of who God is. You see, the Jews also knew, though, that God was a holy God. And He is both just and merciful, but that God is never unjust. There was this sacrificial system that was set up in the Old Testament, and, and many of you know that, that well, anytime someone sinned, broke God's law, they would have to bring an animal, and he would be sacrificed, and the blood would be shed. But it would never, ever, ever take away your sins. It would only cover your sins until the perfect sacrifice would come. In Hebrews chapter 10, the author of Hebrews says this, The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, although sacrifices. It was a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide a perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided a perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have been stopped, for the worshipers would have been, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. For God's will for us was to be made holy. That we would have a right standing with God. By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. You see, the good news, even though it's hard to believe that a baby was born to sacrifice himself, the greatest act of love is giving up your life for another. So Jesus loved us and gave up his life for us. In John 15, 13, Jesus said this, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus showed God's sacrificial, relentless love by going to the cross. God loved. So he graciously and mercifully gave the greatest of all gifts. He died in your place, in my place, so we could live. In fact, God gave the gift of life. You know, many of you know, we, there's quite a few kids out there, even though it's a little dark. And many of the kids go to our WANA ministry. And one of the things that we get to encourage our kids to do is learn verses. And we love when our kids learn verses, because it's a powerful thing to remember. But one of the verses, one of the key verses, one of the verses that are so very, very, very important for all of our wanted kids to know is John 3, 16. 
So I've put John 3.16 up there. And listen, if you're not a kid, you cannot talk. But if you're a kid, I would like you to help me. All right? You can either recite it or you can read it. Are, are we with me, kids? Yes. Are we with me? Okay, now who's a kid? <laughs> if you think you're a kid, you're a kid. Okay? But we're going to try this. Let's do this together. All right? John 3.16. For God so... Oh, I know we can do this louder. Oh, I have heard you on Awana Nights. This is very, very soft. All right, are we ready? All right. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have oh, eternal life. Excuse me. Guess I learned a different version, huh? But hey, this is what I'd like you to focus on. In Titus chapter 3, the Apostle Paul helps us understand this amazing thing. He says this, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were filled with evil and envy and we hated each other. Described how sinful we all really are. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, His hesed, He saved us, not because of the righteous things which we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He gen generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of His grace, He made us right in His sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. In 1 John chapter 3, see how very much our Father loves us. For He calls us children. And that is what we are. Christ paid our debt so we might be called the sons and daughters of the King. Now take a moment. Let it sink in. The baby, born thousands of years ago, came so he would grow up, knowing that our relationship with God is broken, knowing the sacrificial system only covered sins, that he would grow up and be the perfect sacrifice so that we might be reinstated, so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can be called a son and a daughter of the king. That's how much God loved us. His loving sacrifice mercifully and graciously restored our relationship. And you ask, why is Christmas special? Because God shouted. He said, it's time. It's time for you to meet the Savior. The Savior. 
In light of all this, we love, we worship, we serve. We don't come on Sundays or other days and lift our hands and sing songs and adore God because that's what we're supposed to do. We are sons and daughters of the King. And during Christmas, we're the ones who get to be reminded how special Jesus, the Messiah, is. What a grand time. I love the lights. I love all the gift giving. I love all the, well, things that happen at Christmas. But sometimes we just forget God's amazing love. There is no God like God. You know, if you read the book of Job, it looks like Job in the Old Testament. But if you read that book of Job, Job goes under this tremendous testing. And at the end of his testing, God has to remind Job of who he is. And from chapters 38 to 40, let's turn there. Just kidding. But I'm going to encourage you, read Job 38, 39, and 40. Your jaw will drop open. It will. Because what God does is describe who he is. And Job finally gets it and he goes, yeah, you are God and there's no God like you. Listen again, scripture after scripture of these God followers that just say the same thing over and over. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, oh God, there's no one like you. We have never heard of any other God like you. Now I'm going to stop here just for a second because we're going to read a few more. And some of you might say, well, I just don't have that view of God. I mean, God really gave me the raw end of the deal or God really screwed me up this way or you know what, my situation and circumstance have been really hard. If there's a God of love out there, where is he? Man, I think some of those are hard questions. But I know this is that our God is a loving God. And he does walk with us. And, and we may not understand and we may not have his perspective. But there is no one like God. Second Chronicles chapter 6. He prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in all of heaven and earth. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love. Hesai. To all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. In 2 Samuel, how great you are, O sovereign God, O king. There is no one like you. We have never heard of any God like you. 1 Kings chapter 8. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all of heaven above or on earth below. You keep your covenant and show your unfailing love to all who walk. Jeremiah 10. Lord, there is no one like you, for you are great, and your name is full of power. Psalm 86, no pagan God is like you. None can do what you do. Isaiah 45, so all the world from the east and the west will know there is no other 
God. I am the Lord and there is no other. And we could go on. In 1 Samuel, or in Jeremiah, or in Deuteronomy, there is no God like you. I'd like to play a clip for you. If you've never heard of the artist, his name is Lincoln Brewster. Let's watch. What is this love that won't relent? That's calling out with heaven's breath. Who's reaching wide to save our souls? Only you. What is this grace that makes no sense? That we could never recompense? Who gives us all a second chance? Only you, only you, only you.
we celebrate because Jesus has come. And it changes everything. A baby changes everything. You know, some of you can remember back when that first baby, well, was invited into your family, however it was. And you may have read books, and you may have gone to classes, and you may feel, you know what, I've got this. This is not a problem. Yeah, thank you for that sound effect. (laughs) All right. But then all of a sudden, your whole life revolves around this baby. When the baby sleeps, maybe you sleep. When the baby doesn't, you certainly don't. And you can just go through this all over. But, but your life changes because of this beautiful little gift from God. Oh, the baby Jesus. It changed everything. It changed a relationship that each one of us could have with God. It reconciled us. It redeemed us. And we were able to celebrate. We can enjoy abundant living now because of our faith in Messiah. And we can look forward to eternal life forever and ever and ever with the King because of Christmas. It all started there. Let's pray. Lord, I am overwhelmed by your love for me. I know who I am, God. I know the times I haven't listened. I know the times I have rebelled. I know those times. And I don't understand your mercy or your grace. I don't understand why you desire a relationship with me. But you do. And I am so grateful that you love the world and that you sent Jesus. I am. So Father, this Christmas we celebrate the coming of your Son. Your radical plan of love. We love you, Lord. We do. In Jesus' name, amen.